You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John 15, Parable of the Vine and the Branches is the context of this verse. Usually I'm not one to just pull out one verse and (coughs) preach on it. We always like to consider the context around that verse. Take a little bit different approach today. (coughs) Verse 11. Our Lord Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy, my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be what, church? Full. Full. The fullness of joy that Jesus can give even in the face of deep trials. Now take your Bible and let's go to the Old Testament, familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm 51. Brother Walsh taught on this chapter in the boys' camping trip. Psalm 51, as David confesses his sin and tells us that it's because of the sin in his life that he had lost the joy of salvation. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now let's take our Bible and let's go back to the New Testament. And let's go to the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations There the word temptation has to do with the trials of life. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now let's turn over to 1 Peter. The Bible has so much to say about the subject of joy, even in the face of of deep trials. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. You can have a heavy spirit, a sorrowful spirit, and still at the same time have the joy of the Lord. We're going to talk about that today. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold many temptations or trials. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Fiery trials might be found under the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye loved, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full 
of glory. How do we as Christians retain our joy even in the face of adversity? Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I ask you to fill this uh, preacher with your Holy Spirit. It put your words in my mouth. We have meditated on these passages and Lord, I have a message to share with your people. So we pray that Satan would be bound, distractions would be minimal. And Lord, uh, for those who are going through times of real adversity and suffering and trial right now in their life, would be encouraged. That we would retain that fullness of joy that your son spoke so often about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I guess I want to start with just asking a few questions and get you to consider some things. Would you say that you're a joyful person? How would others evaluate you if I ask others about you? Would they say, oh yeah, they're a very, very joyful person. If you're not a joyful person, then I guess I have another question for you. Why aren't you a joyful person? Do you allow the circumstances of life to affect your joy? That is, do you allow things to steal your joy from you? Now in John chapter 16, chapter after that passage we started out with, Jesus said that he would give us as believers, he would give us a joy that no man or no circumstance could ever take from us. The Apostle Paul, he spoke about a peace that passeth what? All understanding. We don't even understand it ourselves how that in deep trial of affliction there is this Joy, and there is this peace that God gives to the spiritually mature believer in Christ. When Paul was writing his epistle to the Corinthians, remember the Corinthian church was a pretty carnal church, right? I mean, they had a lot of sin issues. But he used the churches of Macedonia as an example to the church at Corinth, and this is what he said. He said, how that in deep, deep trial of affliction and deep poverty. I don't know if any of us have experienced deep poverty where you don't even have enough food to put on your plate. That's deep poverty. He said, how that in great trial of affliction and in their deep poverty they still abounded with joy and generosity how could a person abound overflow with joy when in a trial experiencing deep poverty and The Bible says great affliction. Not just affliction, great affliction. That word affliction means anguish. It means burdened, 
persecuted, going through tribulation and trouble, they still abounded with joy. I'm here to tell you I'm not quite there yet. If you are there, then maybe I need to step out of the pulpit today and you need to finish this message. But God is still working on me. And I think he's still working on you too. We are definitely all works in progress. But yeah, I don't think I would have fit in well with the churches of Macedonia. When you are going through times of real difficulty, suffering, sorrow, pain, something has happened and has caused some tremendous disappointment to come into your life, your, your disposition, does it change? How many would say, yes, my disposition changes? Can I see your hand? Do you become grumpy? Upset? Do you start to complain? Are you hard to get along with? Do you allow things to steal your joy? Are you a person when things are running smoothly that you're a different person than when hardships come? Although trouble and problems and trials have the potential of taking away our happiness, we don't have to let them rob us of our joy. Do you know there's a real difference between happiness and joy? And we'll talk about that a little bit later today. I am here to tell you, circumstances in life change like the weather. One day the sun can be shining and the temperature can be absolutely perfect. And then within just an hour or so, it can be cold and raining. Especially if you live in Michigan. Things change. Life can be just clicking along real smoothly and then all of a sudden, like Miriam, you hear the C word. As I consider Miriam and Debbie LeMay, both of these precious ladies dealing with their cancer. Who would have ever thought that Miriam would be in the fight of her life right now? Strong Miriam. I'm here to tell you, none of you know what's around the corner. Things can turn like that. Troubles, trials, tribulations. They are all going to come into our life at some point. 
Job nailed it when he said, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. However, if you have truly trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have living within you the divine presence of the Holy Spirit of God who can produce His fruit of love, joy, and peace despite the circumstances that you're going through in your life. How does that work? Deep trial of affliction, yet they abounded with joy. How does that work? What is a Christian to do when we face the disappointments of life, when disaster hits, when discouragement sets in, when we kind of throw up our arms and we're just in total and complete despair? What are we to do? Oh, I know what we're to do. We throw Romans 8, 28 at someone. And we know that what? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. We quickly throw that verse out there, but can I say something to you? I can't think of any better verse to throw than Romans 8, 28. When difficulties come into our lives, if you're like me, I usually throw this question to the Lord, why? How many of you do that? Why? There's nothing wrong with the why question, but I'm here to tell you that I don't always get the answer to the why. Sometimes the Lord does give me the answer, but most of the time He doesn't give me the answer to the why question. And you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out the why. When the Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. I came across this statement. I thought it was, this is one of those statements that are really going to stick with me. I don't know who said it. But the quote is this, God desires that we learn to view bad things as good things in disguise. That we view bad things as good things in disguise. Isn't that Romans 8.28? And we know that what? What? All things work together for good. Even the things that appear very bad. And there are bad things that happen, but the bad things that happen are good things in disguise. This really is the perspective that I believe God wants every one of his children to have and to develop. It's just really spiritual maturity. The Bible says, but the natural man, whether that is an unsaved man or just a Christian who's completely carnal, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Joy in the face of Deep poverty? Seriously? That's foolish. Affliction? 
But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know how you discern the Scripture? Through the Holy Spirit. That's how you discern the Scripture. First John, our teacher, the anointing. But he that is spiritual, that's why I say either this person is an unsaved person or he is a carnal Christian, he just cannot embrace and understand that whole concept of rejoicing in sorrow. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, and he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm so thankful that in this inspired, infallible, preserved, authoritative word that we hold in our hands, we have the mind of Christ. And we have the mind of Christ as it applies to whatever we are dealing with in our lives. But you know where that begins? It begins with your relationship with Jesus. Jesus talked about those who have built their lives on the sand. And when the storms of life hit, what happens to their life? It just collapses. They can't deal with it. Because their life is built upon the sand. But then Jesus taught about how we can build our lives upon a rock. And that rock being the Lord Jesus himself. And that when the storms of life beat upon that life, it stands firm. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We sang that song earlier today. What's your relationship with Christ like? When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he's in prison. Okay, now you need to understand this. He is in prison and he is chained to a Roman guard. How would you like to be chained to the Apostle Paul? He is facing a sentence of death. By the way, we're all facing that sentence. We just don't know when. But he is facing the sentence of death. Nero had come to power and was arresting Christians left and right. Some of the things that this madman would do to believers was to wrap them in animal skins and then turn wild dogs on them and watch the wild dogs just rip and tear these Christians into pieces. Nero would bring Christians into the arena and for sport he would let the lions out and the whole stadium would watch as the lions would chase the believers around the arena and then tear them into pieces and eat them alive. I want to tell you something, that's sadistic. Nero was the one, I'm sure most of you have heard about it, he would take Christians and he would dip them in tar 
And he would take them and he would put them on poles and he would light them at his drunken garden parties. Paul wasn't sure what awaited him. But he writes this epistle, and you know what he says throughout every chapter of that epistle? Joy and rejoice. Joy and rejoice. At the end of the letter, chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. How in the world could you write a letter, an epistle, all about joy and rejoicing and be shut up in prison, chained to a Roman guard, facing certain death? How many of you would say he had every right to be angry? How many, how many of you would say, you know what, if I were him, I'd be a pretty miserable person. Me too. Treated unfairly. But he did not allow his circumstances, as difficult as they were, to get his focus off of Jesus and the things which are above. His joyfulness did not match his situation that he found himself in. In the midst of extreme difficulties. His joy, that inward joy and that inward peace overcame his circumstance. Now let me ask you a question. How in the world could you be joyful in prison facing death? Isaac, is the air on? I might have you turn it down a couple notches here. Some of you are testing me here today. If I get you shivering, at least I keep you awake. Here we go. How was he able to do it? It's all about perspective. His perspective was on eternal things, not temporal things. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, all he could see, he's locked up in prison, chained to a Roman guard, facing death. While we look not upon the things which are seen, but upon the things which are what? not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. He had a totally eternal focus. That's why you couldn't take his joy from him. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would that ye should understand brethren that the things that have happened to me locked up in prison have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all places and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds. If Paul could do this, we can do it too. 
and much more. They are bold to speak the word without fear. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This trial may kill me. But to die is gain. Can I tell you something? You cannot discourage a person who has that type of eternal mindset. Miriam, I know you're watching us right now. If you beat this thing for me to live as Christ... But if you don't beat this thing, to die is gain. Paul said to the Philippians, we are those who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. For whatever reason, Paul was let out of prison. I wonder how many Roman guards he led to Christ. <laughs> Could you imagine? Chained to the Apostle Paul as he's writing the book of Philippians under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. You don't think a little bit of God's Spirit's going to bump off over to you? But now Paul's in prison again. And this time he knows. God let him know. You know, when you're walking close to the Lord, sometimes the Lord just lets you know things. Some of you are nodding your head yes, and others are, of, of you are sitting there going, I have no idea what the preacher's talking about. Probably you just haven't walked with our Lord long enough. The Lord will just give you a sense. And Paul had this sense, this time, I'm not getting out. This time, I'm going to lose my head for the cause of Christ. And so he said, I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah, one day our fight will be over. But I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. James, count it all joy. Peter, rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. After ye have suffered a while, he will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.
Jesus, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is that emotion we feel when everything's good. Don't you like it when everything's good? How many of you give me an amen there? Amen. When everything's good, when the weather's great, when your team is winning, when you are healthy, prosperous, bills paid, everything going well. I like that. That's happiness. But happiness depends upon your circumstance. Joy depends upon your relationship with Jesus and your eternal perspective. That's the difference between the two. Every one of us want a prosperous and happy life. Who doesn't? But as a Christian, we have a joy unspeakable, full of glory that the world just cannot understand. They cannot understand it. I guess when I was trying to differentiate these in my mind, I thought that happiness is kind of a worldly feeling. But joy is a God feeling. Only God can give you that feeling of joy. Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, we'll talk about all those in just a minute, in distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're here today and you have not developed a relationship with Jesus Christ, you probably don't have an understanding of what I'm preaching. But you can have. It will be impossible to maintain joy when suffering comes into your life if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's impossible. In Philippians, Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, who I am suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And that I may know him. There's something that happens when you go through deep trials 
and affliction. Suffering, loss, pain, hurt, disappointment. There's something that happens. We get to know him in a way we've never known him before. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That same God power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is available to you and I to embrace when we go through these times of deep sorrow. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, listen to this next statement, and the fellowship of his suffering. I look back at Fellowship Baptist Church and how God brought it into existence over 20 years ago. We went through some real suffering as a group of believers. And those who were with me 20 years ago when Fellowship started, would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. All right. I'm going to tell you something. See those hands? We have something We have a connection with the Lord and with each other that I'm sorry that none of the rest of you have. Because we went through the fellowship of his sufferings together. And we came through and Fellowship Baptist Church was birthed and God did miracle after miracle. There is a fellowship of suffering. That you have with someone who rallies around you during a time of suffering. I'm sorry to mention Miriam so so much right now, but this is her day. But for 10 to 12 years, Miriam took care of my wife. Go figure. And now my wife is taking care of Miriam. That that is the fellowship of his suffering. So many believers bail on the Lord during times of trial and suffering and adversity. Because they've really never developed a walk with Christ. And that fellowship of his sufferings has not drawn them to him, but it has driven them away from him. Remember when Jesus was talking about the trials of life, he had a whole bunch of people following him because things were good. He was healing them. He was feeding them. And then he talks about commitment. And he talks about trials. And this is what they said. These are hard sayings. And then the next statement is, and many many of his disciples walked with him no more.
You know why we have the explosion of the contemporary church today? It's all good. Well, my Bible tells me to cast my burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain me. It doesn't say, cast your burden on the Lord and he'll just take it away. I wish that were true. I wish there were so many things that are being taught in our churches today that are attracting huge crowds of people like there really isn't a hell. I wish there really wasn't a hell. But there is. I wish it was true that when you come to Christ, you're going to live healthy, wealthy, and prosperous for the rest. I wish that were true, but it is not true. But it is true, He will sustain you. Fiery trials. Infirmities. No fun. Reproaches. Persecutions. Necessities. The weight and care of daily responsibilities that sometimes are so overwhelming. Distress, tribulation, diverse temptations. If you don't have an understanding of the promises of Scripture, and if you haven't embraced those promises, you're going to lose your joy every time, every time a trial comes into your life. I love what... Jesus said to Satan, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You better get into this book. You better embrace the promises of God, and you better put them in your heart. We will never successfully engage in spiritual warfare until we believe the truth and embrace the truth, even in the face of trials and temptations. Came across this quote. Knowing, believing, and embracing, quoting the truths of Scripture will allow you to cast down Satan's lies, producing confidence that God will not allow anything to happen to you without His permission, and He will not let any bad thing happen that will not ultimately bring you more good than destruction. Do you believe that? Give me an amen. amen. We are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. 
we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, what He has given to us. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and he will save such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Dr. Charles Stanley. As salvation, the Holy Spirit seals us as the children of God, knowing that this relationship can never change enables us to face difficulties and walk through dark valleys with an inward confidence and an overwhelming joy and contentment. We should not allow our circumstances to determine our disposition. If we let ourselves focus on our difficulties and the pain rather than on Christ, we'll become trapped by our circumstances. That's why so many people buckle under the smallest trauma or heartache while others stay strong in much more trying circumstances. In conclusion, I know somebody said, Pastor, I've heard you say that before. As I stopped and begin to think about my own personal walk with the Lord and what has sustained me through times of trial. There are six things that came to my mind that I try to practice. Number one, I try to just let it go. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm just going to let it go. Number two, you hear me say this all the time, just get over it. Forgetting those things which are behind. Let it go. Get over it. Realize God is in control. Number four, believe that something good is going to come from this. Embrace the grace of God. And then look for opportunities to glorify your Savior through it. I believe that if you'll do those six things, that you will have that joy that no man can take from you. Unspeakable and full of glory.
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.